All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Copy Corner with your host, I'm Terry Schilling. And I'm Dan Marzullo. Yes, as you know, guys, this is our corner of the internet where we like to talk, talk copywriting and marketing tips to help you write and sell smarter. And today we have a special episode because we have our guest, our official, our second guest, Dan, on The Copy Corner podcast. Uh, we welcome, uh, live from Guatemala, Brooklyn Nash. Uh, head of Marketing and Content at Sales Hacker, Brooklyn. What's up, man? How you doing? Pretty good. Good to see you again, guys. Yeah, it's good to see you again, too. Yeah, just I said live from Guatemala, Brooklyn and I. We mentioned, if you guys listen to the past episodes, we mentioned that I was there um, doing this like work remote program. And, you know, coincidentally, you know, Brooklyn and I connected there and grabbed some beers and talked talk shop, as we say in the biz. It was nice. <laughs> Because you show Terry wasn't doing any work in Guatemala. He was just working vacation the whole time, you know? Right. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, but that was fun. That was fun to get connected. And, um, you know, when we talked, we wanted to bring you on the show. Uh, we, we talk a lot about content marketing strategies, obviously copywriting as well. Um, but, you know, just with your background and experience, we wanted to just chat a little bit about why your content isn't performing for, like, especially for B2B spaces, but, it could be for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, freelancers out there who are starting a blog and want their content to stand out. Um, so we thought we'd have really like a candid conversation with you. Just ask a couple of questions and see and, and, you know, talk from there. So uh, welcome you to the show. And Dan, or you know what, first, Brooklyn, tell a little bit about more of your experience as an intro. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got into B2B content marketing by accident, to be honest. I was a freelancer for a long time covered all kinds of different client work um, for the first five or so years uh, and worked in a nonprofit at the same time. I was just freelancing on the side to pay off our student loans, pay our bills <laughs> while we worked in this nonprofit mm -hmm. setting here in Guatemala. Yeah. And then when I moved out of that, I doubled down on the B2B side and then slowly kind of focused in on sales and marketing tech. Not that that's, you know, a tiny niche B2B sales and marketing mm -hmm. tech, but uh, <laughs> that's where I ended up. So I, I still do, I still have a handful of uh, freelance clients, but right now a full-time role with outreach and sales hacker as well. Okay. That's awesome. awesome. So it sounds like you're pretty busy then for sure. <laughs> yeah, a little too busy. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> oh man. Well, do you want to yeah. kick it off, Terry? What do you, uh, what kind of questions do you have for Brooklyn today? <laughs> what kind of questions we got? We're going to put them through the ringer here. Uh, I'll start with this one. How do you differentiate your content strategy from everyone else? That's a big one. Uh, it's a big one, yeah. <laughs> uh, big picture, I'd say just don't, it's gonna sound super obvious, but don't make it like anybody else's. I think, especially in content marketing, almost more than any other form of marketing, there's just a lot of copycatting. So don't assume that because something seems like it's working for a competitor or someone, something, somebody in a similar space that you should just like replicate what they're doing. Um, a few ways to do that. I mean, the, people always say, talk to your customers, right? But I think content people especially should talk to folks in their network that fit their ICP, not with any ulterior motive to, to make a sale, but just to understand what they care about, what their pain points are, what will hit and what, what won't hit from a content perspective. Um, I think founders and yeah. early teams are really good at doing that. But then as the content team starts to grow from, you know, one head of content to head of content and two content marketing managers and you grow and grow, you get away from 
having those conversations. So I think just, I don't know, I don't know about a cadence, but just make sure you're talking to the, the people that fit your ICP and ask them what they care mm -hmm. about and try to match your content to what they say. And I think that alone will help you stand out. I'd also recommend yeah. experimenting with shorter, getting shorter with your content. Not every article has to be 1500 words. If you can get into an example or a how to in 700 words and then get through it in, you know, two minutes instead of having to scan and scroll or getting bored, then not only have you accomplished the same goal, you're probably more likely to accomplish what your goal was in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I got a couple, I don't want to just ramble and ramble, but <laughs> uh, go for it. We like rambling here at times, so it's all good. <laughs> all right. um, I uh, another thing I typically recommend to clients, especially in early stages is just choose two, probably max three themes and just mm. fit all of your content under those themes. Um, especially if you can do it too, where you're talking about two sides of the coin of whatever the problem is. Um, and I think that helps with not just making better content as you go deeper and deeper and deeper and get into those from an SEO perspective, getting into long tail keywords and creating hyper specific content around what people are searching for answers for. Uh, but it also yeah. helps from a branding perspective. I mean, you see it with the guys at Lavender and the team they're building. I mean, they are now uh, just from their social content for the most part, they're like go to for email tactics and email tips for, for outbound. Right. Um, yeah. So just like sticking in those narrow lanes early on will really help build your credibility, build out really solid foundation of content to build off of, um, and ideally build your brand. Yeah. I like how you said too, touching on earlier about, you know, actually talking to your ICP, right? Because I think in content, it's so easy for us to just assume and go, oh, this is going to resonate. And then you put something out and it flops, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think there's a big difference <clears throat> between just following what the robots want to tell you to do, like the Google machines and just the keywords, instead of just like what humans are asking for. Um, and I think you can look up things that are like are trending and come up with content that can relate to your brand and potentially fit into your theme, you know, as well, depending on what your product is. Uh, but Brooklyn, I just wanted to follow up too. You, you know, you said sticking to like two or three themes. Could you give an example, like if it's, you know, in a B2B space for certain product? Um, maybe what that may look like. Yeah, so I'm kind of consulting, advising with a, a, a startup around uh, expense management, um, and we just landed on three. Now it's really three main themes um, to to speak to, and all of the content fits under that. Number one is shadow IT. Um, that's like the problem statement okay. side. Uh, number two is uh, expense cards and like the complexities of putting them in place and what the alternatives are. Um, uh, and then the third is uh, just like, I, what was it? Well, now I'm not remembering what the third is right now, but um, just like okay. three pretty related, <laughs> interrelated themes mm -hmm. that everything kind of fits under. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a new, it's definitely not a new concept. That's why HubSpot has the recommendation around like pillar and cluster content. Just early on, maybe you make, three pillars around specific things and then build everything else out underneath that. Oh, a better example. So before outreach, I worked with Wizza and we did that with cold email, which is a much broader thing to own. Um, and LinkedIn sales navigator, which has a much smaller audience for that kind of content, 
but it converted like crazy because that's mm -hmm. exactly what the solution spoke to. So I think by mm -hmm. coming from both ends, from very top of funnel cold email tips, we built a foundation for backlinks and kind of the brand around it and authority around how you can approach cold email. But then with LinkedIn sales nav, we very much captured that bottom of funnel intent based audience for search. Um, so it kind of came from both ends of the spectrum funnel, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Oh, that's great. Oh, I was going to say earlier too, I think an, another key piece of strategy is to build repurposing in from the beginning, not just from a distribution hmm. side, but what you, Dan, your follow up of like, I think by building repurposing in for social and email, you can shorten your feedback loop by quite a bit versus if you're putting an article out and just relying on SEO, I mean, search can take a long, long time to take, to get traction. Right. But if you're repurposing pieces of that for social and email, you shorten your feedback loop to, I mean, if it's social to hours and minutes, <laughs> right. um, and yeah. then you can use that to validate further content ideas. Yeah, no, that's great. And that kind of, I think that's a good segue too. And kind of the next question we had for you, which was, you know, besides SEO, what are kind of your go-to content promotion strategies? Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for sales hacker, it's been pretty specific. There's email and social, um, email because we have a, a it doesn't have as wide of the reach as, as our search traffic, for example. Um, or even direct, but we have a very in, mm -hmm. pretty engaged subscriber base. Or if they're opening our emails, for the most part, it's the same folks. You know, same like ten to fifteen thousand people opening the emails every week, and it's just kind of creates a different, almost sense of community there. And we'll get emails back, we'll get suggestions, we'll pull in community discussions and highlight folks. It just kind of makes it a little more personalized. It's, I mean, cool. landing in your inbox, it just feels should feel a little more personal yeah right um, and then social uh, not to drive traffic to your site or anything but it's just mostly for the branding and building your audience um don't think you're going to drive crazy traffic numbers by putting stuff out on social but you can engage a different cohort of your audience there right kind of meeting them where they want to yeah. be mm-hmm Cool. I love it. Yeah. I think email is obviously, yeah, obviously email is just so important today. I mean, cause it's like one thing that you have control over of, and I love how you said it can be personable and you can kind of create, like give the hook and promo it kind of the way that you want to, whether it's just like a new blog or webinar, you know, a video series, podcast interview, um, you know, things like that. So yeah, it's just a great channel to get it out, to get it out there yeah. besides just from like, you know, like the question says the SEO side. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it should, yeah. I mean, I don't think any SEO content should ever solely be just for search. Like you, sure. can, you should make it quality enough where you can use it for other channels. So. Yeah. Right. No, that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and the other, and, and the other uh, side, I mean, not that I am an expert in, in putting this in place. I know there's a lot of barriers to it, but um, I think another channel is sales, like connecting either with your sales team, if you're a small org or sales enablement, mm. if you're getting bigger, um, and not just like for case studies and white papers, but you can enable your reps with some great content to feed into their follow-ups and the conversations they're having so that, you know, the follow-up isn't, Hey, just floating this to the top of your inbox. It's, 
hey, I know we were talking about XYZ. We just published an article on XYZ if you want to check it out. And then it's immediately focuses on the value instead of that sales conversation. Yeah, instead right. of just like flooding them up, like, yeah, like, hey, can we set up a call tomorrow? Or like, I'm, hey, I'm going to be in Houston, Texas tomorrow. Let's meet up. It's just like, yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit more, it's just, hey, look, I thought of you. We talked about this. Um, like another good spot too is like the email signature, especially with sales reps is put that in there. Like if you are emailing or cold outreaching, just have like a popular piece of content in your signature for them to click. I mean, it could potentially bring some traffic. It doesn't hurt yeah. to have it in there. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that a lot more too now is when I'm emailing clients or people back and forth, it's check out our new ebook and download here or whatever. And a lot more content CTAs in the signature, like you're saying, Terry, than before. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess, you know, I, you know, I want to talk about this because we talked like what are, we've touched on it a little bit, but what are the key differences between, you know, content that performs well and content that doesn't. So like if you're going through like an audit, maybe ever, you know, Brooklyn and seeing stuff or looking at your own content, you know, what do you, what do you see that doesn't perform well and how to fix that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different angles to answering this question. Because um, there's performs well in terms of engagement, there's performs well in terms of conversion, and then there's performs well in terms of like actual traffic numbers and getting it up on, on page one of Google and all that. So. Yeah, let's stick with like um, let's where do yeah, we let's, start? Let's, let's yeah, let's narrow that let let's narrow that down as far as like from search goes, from like ranking higher. From search. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I think content that performs well from an SEO perspective is something that and this is gonna sound so obvious, but something that will keep readers around longer. And there's a lot of pieces that go into that. Um there's like the straight up quote unquote copywriting front, which you guys are more of the experts on where, you know, making sure your hook is solid to, to pull people mm -hmm. in, making sure you're teasing out what's there, making sure you're not just like making the first hundred words sound like a high school paper where you're saying, <laughs> you know, for many years, SAS has shaped the, the way that people do XYZ. <laughs> like you're just making it engaging from the very beginning because that yeah. signal like the longer it, it's not just about keeping people on the page for each individual like the longer people spend on your content like google takes that into account for for their for their algorithm and what gets ranked is how long people are spending with your content if it's engaging so if you can make it engaging from the very beginning you're off to a good start um yeah and then in terms of making it engaging throughout rather than just relying on a clever hook or something I think things that stand out that always stand out to me and I'll swipe and pin and save and download and forward and bookmark and come back to and share um, it just originality. If you can rely on original research, whether that's surveys and benchmarks, uh, roundups, I think a couple of SaaS uh, companies mm. do, you know, more of that influencer marketing, B2B version of influencer marketing with <laughs> rounding up a bunch of people's perspectives that will really stand out. Um, so original research or original examples. Here's how we did ABC. Here's how this person did XYZ. Or we talked to, you know, this person about how they do ABC, like just making it very original rather than 
this broad yeah. kind of vague description of something that everything else on page one, two, and three is going to sound the same. <laughs> um, and I think a good way to do yeah. that is starting with your subject matter experts, with your SMEs. So whoever your ideal buyer is, start with that person in the company or not even your ideal buyer, but the, the person who's going to benefit from the content. So like one of my clients, they actually right. the first draft of content. Every blog comes from engineers and data scientists. It doesn't come from a content marketer and it, it makes for kind of pretty messy drafts sometimes that will take work to shape up into something that's publishable but all of their knowledge and even honestly like their passion for the subject matter is in there. And then you just have to shape it so that it works well and the flow is there and it's organized and it makes sense. Right. Versus having a, you know, yeah. content marketing manager with four years of experience in SAS and zero experience in engineering or, or data science, trying to wrap their heads around something that they've never actually worked on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, that was a lot right there, <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, I was just gonna say like I, I feel like you touched track, on off track. no, I feel like you touched into like the engagement side of things too. Is just keeping their like keeping their attention and getting that hook for people to you know obviously you know stay reading it, um, but then also like call the actions at the end. What do you typically you know? what how do you typically strategize with that because i could easily ask you what do you recommend but again that's a very broad question because it just depends what the goal sure. of the content is like do you have yeah. people go to click to download something kind of what's your typical approach with like a call to action um yeah i mean it, like you said it's going to depend with sales hacker it's pretty straightforward we like we don't have ctas at the end of content but we want to pull people into the community. So we have little pop-up okay. CTAs that says like, do you want to see more like this? Sign up for a newsletter and we'll send you the roundup mm. of all our latest content. If you're enjoying what you're reading here, that's like the most straightforward you can make it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you don't always have to sell something right away. Like you can yeah, get people in the exactly. funnel really. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's better if you don't. I mean, I think, yeah, that's for sure. I don't know what the right phrase is, but like product led, XYZ product led content, not product led content, but content that highlights your product, I think is amazing. Like Ahrefs does this, I think the best out of anybody, like even more than like HubSpot. Um, like almost every piece of content is super helpful and in depth um, how to use, yeah. but all their screenshots are their product, right? And then, so mm. I don't even know if the CTA is there, it's just saying, look, if you want to do X, Y, Z, you can do it manually yeah. and do this and this, or you can use our product to really speed things up or go deeper or what have you. So I think right. using your product, any chance you have is, is key. That's something we did with, with Wizza too. I mentioned the LinkedIn sales navigator. Like we yeah. had one article that was 700 words. It was how to export emails from LinkedIn sales navigator, very low search volume, super as long tail as you can for a keyword. Right. Um, hmm it didn't get nearly as many hits as our like pillar guide to LinkedIn sales navigator where you get pricing and all of that. But because it was so bottom of the funnel, like it was our point solution, the conversion <laughs> on it was like 45% off of that page because yes. we gave two options. We said, you can do it manually. Here's the manual way to do it for free, or you can use our tool and it's 
X amount of like 30 cents per lead. Um, hmm. And that worked really well. Wow. Nice. That's super interesting. Yeah. Okay. So then kind of going back on touching on the SEO side a bit, what's kind of your advice for, you know, say, um, you know, what do you tell people to stand out in kind of a crowded space from an SEO standpoint, right? Like say they're jumping into an industry that has like super heavy competition and just like SEO, for example, right? If you're an SEO guy, standing out and ranking and competing in SEO is, is incredibly difficult because of that. Right. So any thoughts there in terms of if you're jumping into an industry that already has a ton of, um, search competition, what's your strategy there? Yeah. That's a good question and a big one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Doesn't I mean, it's I kind of a lot to it too. <laughs> he doesn't have one. That's our interview folks. <laughs> Just get it. <laughs> Uh, no, I love the questions. I think from a big picture, yeah. a I don't know. I don't know if I can say most, but a lot of SEO articles stop short at the what. And I think the easiest way you can stand out is to add on to that and go through the why and especially the how. Because you can have a, cool. a descriptive article about whatever, like what ABM is. But if you're not saying like, okay, you are, you're searching for ABM, Obviously you have some interest in getting started somehow. Here's our like four steps for making sure you can get started with using ABM without just like wasting your, your dollars. Um, hmm. I think, and it, even from the sales hacker side, like I review a lot of incoming drafts, right? And 75% of the time, my first round of feedback, the number one item is, okay, this is great info, but can we add the so what and the how to hmm. either each section can either each section like okay here's step one how do you actually do that rather than just saying yeah do this thing like like every article yes. saying talk yeah. to your customers okay how do you set that up how do you have oh, those conversations right. <laughs> how do you pull them in how do you incentivize them to actually take the time to talk to you rather than just saying talk yeah. to your customers like walk them through how to do it or at the tail end of the article be like okay, you have all this information for this big picture thing. Here's like a few baby steps you can take to get started. And I think yeah. that will help you stand out in and of itself because I think the minority of articles actually take that step. Right. Um, so you're kind of saying coming back to just writing the most thorough um, resource for that, right? Because I think that's what people say a lot of is, like you said, it's all right, here's the what, but how can we make an article better? Let's also add A, B, C, D, and E so that they can get all the answers just from this piece of content instead of having to go then search out five different articles to hit all of those points. Yeah, and a lot of which will sound a lot like each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's, and I think that's another true. thing is to just um, don't, I mean, I said this before, like I think a way to stand out is don't think about your SEO content as just being for search. I think that's a really good way to create crappy content that might rank, but maybe won't convert well or won't, won't keep people around or like attracts the wrong visitors that don't even really fit your ICP. Um, yeah. It, it sets it up to make it formulaic. It's going to look like every other article on the first page if you're writing it for search. So write for your audience first and what they're interested in and what they need and then figure out how to optimize it for search instead of being like, Oh, we need 
this age three to speak to this because we want to try to get the snippet <laughs> for whatever. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. No, great advice. And it, it's just like a lot of people spit theories out and it just seems like putting the what is kind of like the quick win. Like, all right, we got this article out. It's live. Great. But it's just like, let's hope it ranks. But like you said, you're not really focusing on a bigger goal of like the, the engagement and talking about the how instead of giving examples of how you can apply these things. Um, sure. Yeah, I definitely see a lot of like B2B articles miss the mark there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's especially problematic in, in B2B for some reason. Um, yeah, interesting. But what you, you something, something else? reminded yeah. me, yeah, it's just something you said reminded me another piece of this is um, I don't think a lot of people realize how much effort you have to put into your offsite SEO from the very hmm. early stages. And when I say offsite SEO, I mostly just mean your backlinks, right? Um, yeah. And building relationships in your niche to continue driving that in the future. I don't think it's a, okay, let's put all this content out that's super well optimized for search and kind of hope it ranks and see what happens because that's like probably less than half the picture. A huge part of how Google considers relevance um, and authority is through backlinks. I mean, that's like maybe when top three factors, I don't know what it is scientifically, but it's a big one. <laughs> so from yeah. the beginning, that's why I say like starting with original research, original examples, quotes from your subject matter experts is a great way to start with content because then you have something super valuable to bring to those backlink mm -hmm. relationships. And you can say, hey, we put this benchmark report together and recapped it in this blog post. This is original research. Would you consider adding some links because it's going to be valuable for your audience instead of coming to yeah. people and saying hey we have the 76th article on abm that you've seen this year would you consider adding a link where it's just descriptive <laughs> about abm and says the same thing everybody yeah. else does like you got to bring something original to that but you actually but then you also have to go outbound for those backlinks in the first year or two and then as you build that authority and you're other content starts to rank it'll be like that i mean cliche yeah. to say flywheel but kind of flywheel where as your content ranks people will be searching for that content as they're creating content around that topic and they will pull your link in because they found it in the fifth spot on google into their content and then you start getting those organic backlinks rather than putting in the work for outbound yeah, but you right. got to do that early early on yeah no yeah excellent advice yeah, I think yeah. that's important because a lot of articles I read, it's always just like create the best content that's linkable that people are going to automatically link to. It's like, well, if you have no authority, you got to do the outreach to say, hey, look, here's this. Let's get some links before you can yep. just put it out yeah. there and go, all right, cool. Hopefully by next week we'll have, you know, 20 backlinks exactly. on this or whatever. <laughs> exactly. A super well, a super well written article that's optimized for search and, but you don't have the domain authority. We'll, we'll maybe get you to like, position 32 like <laughs> bottom of page three top of page four which like great that's awesome as you're getting started but you're mm -hmm. it's a lot less likely to make it to page one if you're not putting backlinks behind that content as you put it out cool yeah yeah well brooklyn you shared a lot you know regarding content strategy i think especially the tail end of here a lot of good advice uh you know actionable advice too i want to wrap up though with a couple questions, not off topic of content strategy, but also just building a 
really building like your brand on LinkedIn because you and I connect a lot on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And I think we both can agree on Twitter, people like to talk shit about LinkedIn. It's just like, oh, I come to Twitter <laughs> to not look at LinkedIn. And like, and like, part of me, like, I just, like, I get it. If you don't like LinkedIn, it's not for you. Cool. But I'm just like, why do you have to talk shit? Because I know it's a very valuable platform. So my question yeah. is then, like, well, how do you, like, why do you consistently create value on, on LinkedIn? And kind of how did you, how would be your approach to building a following that actually, like, drives engagement and gets results besides just building a following to say like, Hey, I have 15,000 followers on LinkedIn. Like yeah. there should be a purpose to that as well. Yeah. It's a complicated question for me because I kind of got started on LinkedIn by accident. Um, mm -hmm. I had growth at my previous startup left and I kind of, there's this hole that I just figured I'd fill with the content I was creating for the site. Um, yeah. that was like a year and a half ago, I think. And I still have, I mean, to be honest, I mean, hopefully I don't ruffle any feathers, but I have like mixed feelings about LinkedIn because the the part, the main part about LinkedIn that I don't like is how obsessed with LinkedIn people on LinkedIn can be. Like, <laughs> oh, you have to, like, it's the end all be all yeah. of your personal brand. Like you have to do X, Y, Z. And I'm like never going to say that because I don't think it's true. I, I think there's lots yeah. of different ways to go about it. And I don't think even a personal brand is for, is for everybody. Um, but it yeah. feels like this. Like, yeah, like, good uh, point. I think in my Twitter, when I started getting more active on Twitter and my, my whatever, I don't know what it's called on Twitter, your little byline bio uh, said like, I come here so I don't take yeah, myself yeah. too seriously on LinkedIn. Um, oh, that's which funny. is kind of the <laughs> idea. Like I just think some people can take it too yeah. seriously and i'm just not about taking it serious i mean i want to take it seriously and try to provide value to people um yeah but a lot of that comes but it's from, not like, but it's not so yeah. relationships you know not the yeah not the likes in the comment section so anyway that was that's more of a, a preamble your question was more about going about building it um right now I because just, you have I, built I'm a strong grateful. following like you get yeah you get a lot of engagement you know on your post well i it think i mostly a... just got i got lucky um sorry my internet went out a little bit sorry if i was interrupting you um that's okay i think i got Go a little ahead. lucky because my role with sales hacker kind of necessitated being active on linkedin because that's where our audience was active yeah so as we were pulling people into the community it was part of my job to engage with the sales community on on LinkedIn um, and like share what I was learning from other salespeople. So I think that's been the biggest piece. I just got kind of lucky to be in a role where that's like a fun part of my job. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the other side of it. So, I mean, I, I have two pieces of content. One speaks to sales and marketing and the other side, I really, and this is more of like long-term, I really just want to, provide as valuable content as I can for freelancers, um, mm -hmm. whether they're just starting out and thinking about doing it as like a little side hustle, or they've been doing it for a few years and they want to go from 50K to 150K, like just giving some advice, because I've been doing this for almost nine years now. So yeah, um, just like for now, just giving that content out on social, because that's where it can be consumed for free and easily. Um, and then down the line, figure out how I kind of package that up and make it a more digestible, repeatable format. <clears throat> yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Makes, yeah. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and I, I mean, we're we're big on that too to help other freelance writers kind of thrive and figure it out and grow and avoid some of the pitfalls that maybe sometimes take some of us longer to figure out of how to avoid. So, <laughs> yeah, we do that. on the podcast kind of go back and forth. We'll do a lot of freelance stuff, you know, and then a lot of copywriting and content as well. So, I definitely get that. Yeah, yeah, Terry, you and I talked about it a little bit when you were here because you put stuff yeah. out like that, like your Upwork guide and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, we were talking about how like Dan and I have done the freelance webinar, um, you know, and have like at the tail end, like sold bundles with it too and just kind of that strategy. But yeah, we're, yeah, it's been a focus of ours too to just kind of help them navigate it because Dan and I have been doing it for quite some time as well. And then we've taken steps to more building bigger, you know, bigger brands, companies, and Dan has obviously started a really a content agency from doing freelance stuff on before. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of experience and knowledge there. Now I'll, I'll wrap up on this question, Brooklyn. Why is copywriting important to your business? We'll bring it back to copy corner, the copy side. You got to keep it on brand a little I'm, bit. The thing <laughs> I'm not as knowledgeable in is copywriting. Um, but to you're my, in marketing. To my so, business or yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So my business or like to your just in general. We'll say general to your real business. business. Yeah. Uh because that's I mean I don't know what the percentage would be, but vast majority of the time that's your audience's first interaction with your brand and with your product and with your team is the copy that they're reading, whether it's a social post or a display ad or an email, um, or your hero page on your website, like yeah that they landed on it from google like copy is their first interaction that's like your first impression so it's it's not always i think people always have in their mind that like not always i think often people think about copywriting as direct response and copywriting is not always direct response it can be you it's just the first it's just the first impression and sometimes the goal is direct response and getting that action asap Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's building trust or getting them to take that next step or getting them to follow X, Y, Z. Um, yeah, I, that's a long way of saying it's just copy is important because eight times, nine times out of 10, it's your potential customer's first interaction with your brand. Yes, absolutely. I love that answer. That's a no, beautiful that's answer. Well, yeah, I like how you said it's not always yeah. direct response because there is so many other like the social posts and a lot of people think copywriting, they go right to the hardcore sales page and, and then that's it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I did like, I shared something like there was like some smart like words on a brand package on this like loaf of bread I saw. And I was like, oh, this is great packaging <laughs> copy. And they're just like, but that's not really copy. It's not really getting me to do anything. I'm like, well, like it is like, again, like, like you said, it's your impression. Like you had it, like it made an impression on me. It's words. It's making me visualize. It's something I see as part of the brand. And that's, you know, part of copywriting, you know? So I love that answer, you know, and that's why I create the copy corner because it's such an important part of marketing in your business and a first impression. And we want to make you not suck at it. So that's why we do this here. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. Uh, But Brooklyn, you know, you've been awesome time. And again, you gave, yeah. What else you got? Well, no, I was going to ask you a question in on that one. If I'm, I'm more of a content marketer than a copywriter, right? What's your yeah. number one tip for somebody who's not naturally a copywriter to become a better copywriter? Oh, that's a good one. I got one, but go ahead, Terry. <laughs> oh, you, I was just going to, 
No, Dan, you go ahead and then I'll go. <laughs> I'd say, you know, the biggest thing that's ever stuck out with me is the simplest, stupidest phrase um, to be a better copywriter is to write like you speak, right? People don't, they forget that all the time. And Neville Medora, you know, one of the famous copywriters out there, that's, he's always preaching that. He's like, just write like you talk and you'll be surprised at how much better things sound and flow and get people to engage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I, yeah, that's such an important, you know, tip and just, you know, strategy to follow. Like, like for me, I'll take one from Joseph Sugarman, you know, we'll, we'll quote some, uh, some copywriters in the business and like his is just like the purpose of copywriting is to get people to read the next line and spend their hard earned money. And I think when you have that approach, I think you can find different formulas and strategies then to come up with ways to get their attention, to get them to read that next line and take action. Now, spending hard-earned money is more like taking action. So again, now we have you know this beautiful phrase of funnel land in the world of marketing where we have to take them through this. So there's different elements of that. But for me, that's like it's kind of like my North Star, you know, if you will, to use a metaphor. It just guides me in just how I approach you know, writing a home page, writing a sales page, doing like an email nurture series, like what can, how can we keep, you know, their attention? Um, but then another one is just like focus on like what's in it for the reader. Like don't start by talking about yourself because you created something so cool that you think can help a ton of people. Like don't go and start bragging about yourself. Like focus on that, why you did it, like how it helps them, you know, have, live a better life or get closer, you know, to this best self. Um, yeah. I think that's super important too. And the best part is that applies for social, cold emails, cold calls, yeah. like any, any interaction you're going to have. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's all we got today, Brooklyn. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this was great. A lot of great, a lot of great insight, you know, especially just on like blogging and creating content strategy in 2021. I think, you know, a lot of it's changing and a lot of it, it like, there's a lot of more resources that you can have that you have, you know, to rank higher and to get more engagement. Um, you just got to put a little bit more work and be original. It's one of my, some of my biggest takeaways from our conversation. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. I think that's the takeaway. It won't take a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but be original, like have an original thought too with your content for sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, Dan, anything else you want to add? No, that's it. Appreciate you coming on Brooklyn and sharing some, words of advice super helpful i think for everybody that's uh watching and listening out there yeah wow. i was flattered thanks terry thanks dan Absolutely. yeah and just quickly uh to brooklyn just tell everybody where they can uh you know follow you and where you hang out on the internet yeah um linkedin for somewhat more serious stuff marketing <laughs> twitter for yeah. some posting and freelance tips and things like that so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man i love it brooklyn thanks again buddy for tuning into this episode of the Copy Corner. We will see you next time. Cheers. All right. Thanks.